October 2023. Welcome to Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest breaking news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Lorenda Calvert. He's Ryan Hunt. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Over to you, Ryan. Thanks, Lorenda. Nanaimo Art Gallery exhibit invites viewers to breathe deeply. A Nanaimo art exhibition emphasizes the importance of breath and the right to exist. Through the intimacy of quiet inhalation, as well as metal and mixed media sculptures, the Nanaimo Art Gallery presents Charles Campbell, An Ocean to Livity. A release for the exhibit noted that the artist strips away racial hierarchies and holds up black breath as its own force. A significant component of the project, said Victoria-based artist Charles Campbell, are the breasts of Nanaimo, Vancouver Island, and Lower Mainland residents that he records and calls the Black Breath Archive. Quote, It provides for me a way to get to know the community, also to highlight that community within space, especially since places like Nanaimo are not known for having a large black population, he said. Part of the intention is to bring focused, that there is a significant population doing interesting things. Campbell continues to say that in connecting to the community, he met with members of the Nanaimo African Heritage Society over dinner and discussed his intention and work. He then later followed up with certain individuals to take audio recordings of their breath. Quote, in order to be valid within a community or within a space, all we have to do is breathe, the artist said, and fundamentally our life validates itself and gives us the right to exist. We don't have to justify our right to exist in any other way. Charles Campbell, An Ocean to Livity, can be viewed at the Nanaimo Art Gallery during the operating hours through January 14th. The history, culture, and contemporary character of the South Asian community in Abbotsford is the subject of a new exhibition organized by the Reach Gallery Museum. Des Pardes opens Saturday, October 14th from noon to 3 p.m. with a family-friendly event featuring hands-on activities and entertainment. The exhibition title is borrowed from the Hindi Punjabi phrase, which can translate to home and abroad or motherland, otherland, which is commonly used to describe the South Asian Canadian experience where families have deep ties in Canada and abroad. The project showcases the unique and major contributions of the ethnically, culturally, and religiously diverse South Asian diaspora to the social, economic, and cultural fabric of Abbotsford and beyond. Des Pardes is one of the most significant projects ever presented by the REACH and includes contributions from hundreds of participants and collaborators from the community. Several contributors are featured in interviews on flat screen displays and several families loaned heirlooms and other artifacts that are on view. The large-scale, multi-sensory experience uses historical photographs, oral histories, contemporary interviews, historical objects, and newly commissioned works of art to illustrate six themes, migration, faith, family, business, and livelihoods, oppression and opposition, and contemporary culture. At the heart of the project has been a major initiative to digitize and make accessible to the wider public a vast array of South Asian heritage resources. The project was funded by a digital access to heritage grant from Canadian Heritage with support from the Irvin K. Barber Learning Center's BC History Digitization Program at the University of British Columbia and South Asian Studies Institute at the University of the Fraser Valley. The exhibition makes visible a vast array of personal histories, images, and documents that represent three years of community-based research and many more of collecting. 
Among the newly digitized materials is the Punjabi Patrika Archive. The local newspaper is one of only two bilingual newspapers in Canada. The REACH has digitized the entire hard copy archive spanning from October 1996 to 2014. This project is important to our community and to the broader historical narrative of the region, said Laura Schneider, executive director of the REACH. The REACH has featured exhibitions about various aspects of South Asian Canadian history in the past, but the scope of community involvement that was undertaken to develop this project better represents the diversity of experiences that exist in our community and makes it truly special. Day parties will be on view until May 18th. Vancouver has Canada's only public art gallery dedicated to contemporary Asian diasporic perspectives. Nearly a quarter century after its launch, Centre A, Vancouver International Centre for Contemporary Asian Art, remains the only public art gallery in Canada that is dedicated to contemporary Asian art. Founded in 1999 by Hank Bull, Shang Zhang Cheng, and Stephanie Holmquist, the gallery started at 229 East Georgia Street, where Massey Books resides today. It moved to the Sunwa Center at 268 Kiefer Street in 2013, where its current neighbors include the Vancouver Black Library, Queer Arts Festival, and Some Gallery. With all of its tenants, the Sunwa Center is both a cultural art hub and a commercial building. There is no other art institution that represents Asian-Canadian diasporic perspectives and histories, said Center A Executive Director Ellie Chung. Quote, It's surprising, despite the long history of Asian Canadians and our involvement in Canadian history, that our voices, stories, and history still are not well represented. With the move, Chung said the gallery grew both in square footage and in programming to further fulfill the vision of more access and better community involvement. Quote, Our location. It's not a secret that it's very contested. It's very marginalized. Gentrification happens, she said. Many of those who seek equity and whose equity are denied are living here. They are part of our society and part of our history. In the past few years, the gallery has hosted speaker series, mentorship opportunities, and other programs for young and emerging artists of Asian descent. The most recent speaker series, CARDI, Counter Anti-Asian Racism Digital Initiative, included Canadian author Kai Cheng Tom, Tunisian Chinese nutritionist Carmina Salouf, and urban planning documentarian and columnist U Tai Li. Chang said that Asian communities have been represented in limited, tokenistic ways with overtones of, of Orientalism. Orientalism often means the imitation of small aspects of the Eastern world by the Western artists who are outside of the cultures and communities they're interpreting. Quote, at Center A, it's more truthful, it's more genuine, she said, because our stories are spoken and told by ourselves, rather than being narrated by a hegemonic culture. Halloween came early in Burnaby with the opening of the new Masters FX Monster Museum, which features over 80 exhibits of handcrafted monsters, creatures, and characters from motion pictures that have hit the big screens. Behind the creations are special effects artists or self-proclaimed monster makers, who have an eye for fine detail. AI and computer graphics have been very much in the headlines lately, and people are wondering how that affects Masters FX and practical effects, and we just wanted to show how this work is still very relevant, said owner Todd Masters. Masters says the launch of the museum, which doubles as their studio, is a win for an industry that has been hit hard by Hollywood strikes. The curated showroom features fan favorites from Predator, Sonic the Hedgehog, Six Feet Under, Nancy Drew, True Blood, and more. Some of the monsters take weeks and even months to create, depending on the production schedule. 
the creatures can start simply as a design on paper then the material comes in and then it's digitized on the computer Janea ross calls herself a creature actor one of the people who brings the characters to life on set she says she spends many hours in the makeup chair sometimes up to five or six hours the Masters FX website asks parents to exercise discretion if bringing their young children to the museum. On Friday, some creatures appeared so real that they had visitors doing a double take. I don't know what to believe anymore, one museum goer said. You're walking around and you see a dude and you're like, hey, and he doesn't wave back. The sea monsters, zombies, ghosts, and ghouls will be on display to the public throughout the month of October, bringing the movie set to life. BC's new fossil emblem an 80-million-year-old marine reptile called Elasmosaur. British Columbia has officially designated a large, fierce-looking marine reptile that swam in the waters off of Vancouver Island 80 million years ago as the province's official fossil emblem. The government adopted the long-neck, sharp-toothed 12-meter Elasmosaur as the fossil emblem on Thursday, adding to the list of provincial symbols. The designation follows a five-year recognition effort by paleontology enthusiasts and a province-wide public poll in 2018, where the Elasimosaur received 48% of the votes. Tourism Minister Lana Popham says in a statement that the Elasimosaur designation raises awareness that BC has a fossil history worthy of celebration and stewardship. The first Elasimosaur fossil was discovered in 1988 along Putledge River on Vancouver Island marking the first fossil of its kind to be found west of the Canadian Rockies. The Elasimosaur lived on the coast of BC, dating back to the Cretaceous period. Other official BC emblems include the Pacific Dogwood, Stellar's Jay, Spirit Bear, Pacific Salmon, Jade, and the Western Red Cedar. For BC Fairies, it started with an idea, followed by months of homework and logistical planning. For the family of a renowned BC Indigenous carver, it became an unexpected gift, a piece of their heritage that allows them to honor and remember their deceased brother. In the late night of August 28th and into the early hours of August 29th, a crew of BC Ferries workers disconnected, picked up with a crane, and transferred to the truck a totem pole that had been for years sat on the concrete plinth in front of the Horseshoe Bay Terminal in preparation for its journey home to Fort Rupert on northern Vancouver Island, where the Carver's family waited. It was a journey months and decades in the making. In 1966, BC Ferries commissioned a series of totem poles to be placed on its properties to mark the Canadian centennial the following year. One, a bear totem standing approximately four meters tall, was created by Tony Hunt Sr., who was then about 24 years old and would go on to a long and prestigious career as an artist while eventually fulfilling his role as chief of the Hunt family. Tony Sr. was the eldest of six sons of another famed artist, Henry Hunt, and trained under his maternal grandfather, the legendary Mungo Martin. Carved from western red cedar, the totem depicts a bear in the Haida style, along with a chief wearing a hat or helmet, and both characters have, for more than 50 years, watched ferry travelers come and go from Horseshoe Bay next to the self-ticketing entrance to the terminal. Last year, Marin Zaram, BC Ferries then new regional manager, terminal maintenance for the Horseshoe Bay region, noticed some rot and wear on the totem pole that raised concerns about safety and stability. The company hired an engineering firm to design an attachment to hold it in place while it searched for a long-term solution for the pole. Tony Enshaw, Indigenous Relations Liaison for BC Ferries, reached out to the Hunt family to determine if they would like the totem pole returned to their land, 
answer was an enthusiastic yes, and their plans included restoring the pole to something close to its original glory. I just find this amazing, says Stanley Clifford Hunt, Tony Sr.'s brother and an acclaimed carver himself. Just the thought of being able to restore our brother's totem pole is a huge honor. Tony and I were really close. It's just a huge honor for me and I know for our family that we would get to see and help one of Tony's totem poles be restored and be on display again. I was excited about it. I'm going to bring it back to as good a life as I can, he adds. It is pretty old. Stanley and eight members of his family were on hand August 29th when two BC Ferries employees who'd lifted the totem pole onto a 42-foot tandem axle crane truck and driven it on the Queen of Cowichan earlier in the day arrived with their precious cargo following a four-hour drive north from Departure Bay in Nanaimo. The hunts helped ensure it was placed gently on wooden cribbing and talked about Tony and his life, Stanley says. We were doing it with utmost care and with utmost respect and so much emotion for us all, he says, adding, I looked at it the next morning. I looked out in the backyard and there it is looking back at me. Stanley, who recently completed a ceremonial tour of Western Canada with his six meter tall carved monument to Indigenous children who attended residential schools, says once the pole's restoration is complete, it will get new paint and may require some wood to be added and carved. It will be placed in the graveyard beside where Tony is resting. Who's news? Selena Hostrauser joined the Dork Stewart Farm team as coordinator of heritage programs in September. Selena will be drawing on her strong academic and professional background, finding new ways to share Surrey's deep and diverse history through engaging programs and events. The Oliver and District Heritage Society has a new special exhibit opening called Water in the Desert, Oliver's Transformation from Dry Land to Farmland which tells the story of the construction of the irrigation canal and the development of orchards and vineyards in the Oliver region. They are also happy to share that they have completed the digitization of the Oliver Chronicle newspaper from 1937 to 2010, and it's available for everyone to read and learn about local Oliver history. Oliver and District Heritage Society is also working on a new heritage management plan to enhance the interpretation and improve the preservation of the natural environment at the historic Fairview town site. The Vernon Public Art Gallery would like to welcome Heather Yip to their team in the role of Development and Administration Coordinator. Thanks, Lorenda. This has been Muse News for the month of October 2023. Join us next month for the latest news, happening, and information from museums, galleries, and heritage sites across BC and beyond. Join us next week for the latest Muse News!